The Jen, Gabe and Chewy podcast is sponsored by Celsius Energy Drink, and I am here to tell you it makes a huge difference in my mornings. With a unique blend of essential energy and key vitamins, Celsius is your partner to an active lifestyle. My favorite, the peach vibe. Learn more at Celsius.com and pick up Celsius Energy Drinks today. Showtime. The right way to start your day. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. This is how I'm ranking. Obviously, the fish is the main course. That is number one. Yes. Number two is coleslaw. That's two. Three's potato salad, and four wait. is the bread. Wait, you're getting the bread. Me, we're gonna let the dark rye bread. That's four. Shut up! Enough already, Ballstein. Who cares about Derek Zoolander anyway? The man has only one look for Christ's sake. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. I'm out on potato. For the potato pancake, we just explained this to you. It's a condiment, not a side. You know the difference, right? You sure? In this no, instance, it's not a yes. In we, this instance, the applesauce is. It's you're like taking crazy pills. Well. Blue steel, Ferrari, Latigra, they're the same face. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at the Avenue with Gabe Neitzel and Mark Chamara. Here's Jen Latta. She wants to ride it. She's trying to hide it. I'm cool as ever. She's too excited. Her man looks like he want to fight. He ain't doing nothing but running his mouth. Talk about it. We all about it. They make the plans. We sit and count. Our chairs stack. Just having full-on conversations here. Gabe, your mic is off, but I can hear you over here as your full-on conversations. Headed into the show off the air. So I just told Gabe that on Friday night, I drove a bunch of boys home from Cocaine Bear. Um, <laughs> what a sentence. What an awesome sentence. <laughs> just a great sentence. By the way, I movie drove. theater absolutely jam-packed for Cocaine Bear. I don't know if it has just like hit that sweet spot of drugs and like, you know, nefarious behavior and also nature, right? Because like... Nature Channel and National Geographic and all that stuff. Like some people will just watch bears. If you don't even need to be on a substance game. If if you're someone who enjoys watching bears in nature, guessing cocaine bears not for you. I don't think that the people who are sitting at home watching Nat Geo are going. You know what? We should go watch this weekend, honey. Let's go watch cocaine. But, but bear. I think there's a portion of the people who are watching Nat Geo that hope that that bear is going to stumble into some trouble. Are hoping that bear is going to find himself in some, in a mischievous situation. I mean, it hit the sweet spot by naming itself Cocaine Bear. Are you trying to like call them the Berenstein Bears? Like they're trying to stumble themselves <laughs> into a situation. Get, get into a get into a little mix up. Um, so I was driving a bunch of boys home from Cocaine Bear on Friday, and it was snowing out. It was you know we've had some weird weather yeah. over the last um, few days or so, and so the roads were slick. And I've got four 14-year-olds in the car with me. So I'm going slow down the, the road so what's, in our town. What's, what's slow Great follow-up for question, you? Gabriel. Like, I feel really like is good the person... question. Capital J journalism. Yeah. Over <laughs> uh, slower than, than normal for me, but okay. probably about the speed limit. Maybe slightly below. Like, slower is the speed limit. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this was not supposed to be... <laughs> But I digress. An Back indictment to- of me. Back to your story. It will quickly turn <laughs> into that, though. Um, so, so I'm turning down one of the young men's street, and so I'm slowing down to make the turn. And there's a car behind me, and I noticed, right? You know, he, he's riding my tail, right? He's right up on my butt. And as I make the turn into the kid's street, not the driveway, but the street, 
He lays on the horn. We got it. But I'm not exaggerating. Like, it was one of those lengthy lay on the horns, like, you blah, 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 whatever they were saying in their car. You know, it was building up for however long it was following me, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm taken aback. I'm like, what the? You know, kind of one of those moments. And the kids are like, whoa, what the heck? And, you know, they're all like, so anyway, so immediately. I, I mean, they're like, all jacked up from watching Cocaine Bear. For sure. So I drop the one kid off and I get back onto the road and we continue and continue. Now, because of the weather, there were not a lot of cars out there. So it was just me and the honker. So guess what I can see on the road in front of me? The honker. The honker's tracks. Oh, God. <laughs> Car is long gone, right? Because I've, I've dropped off a kid. I've gotten sure. back on the street. But I can see the honker's tracks. It took every ounce of my restraint not to follow that car, but sit in their driveway and lay on the horn for double the amount of time that they did it to us. The only thing that kept me from doing it was the fact that I had three 14-year-old boys in the backseat, and I didn't want to be a bad example. Like, and again, like you, when the tra- when the trail goes cold, were you just going to pull into a random house no, no, and lay on the horn? Me. So here's the thing. Again, there were no cars. It was like us in this car. So when I saw them make the right on Donjus Bay Road, I had that moment of, I had that moment of, we're making a right, boys. Strap in, buckle up. What's we're- the best case scenario here? <laughs> what's, what's, what's the Does end game? Does it sound like I thought it through, Ashton? Well, I no, guess, but that's I mean, the little, amazing part. Bit, yeah, like when does. someone's like, "Oh, I'm gonna follow this person." Like, okay, and then what? Yeah, what's what are you gonna do? You're gonna stare at them and no, sat like, I in see the you. driveway wherever the tracks would. I would have sat in the driveway or just on the street so that I wasn't on their property because you know I'm very uh, law abiding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to make sure that you're not breaking any of the laws that have been put out there. I would have sat in the street and just held down the horn for as long as I could take it until some lights flickered on. And this is like ten thirty, ten forty five. Almost eleven o'clock on Saturday night, Friday night, That's, Friday this night. This is insane. This is this is absolutely insane behavior to even. I'm glad you didn't do that because only bad can come from that. You can't trust the other person and not I freak don't know. out worse. It's Mequon, how bad could it have gotten? It, bad enough to where someone freaked out and honked at you. I don't know, and where you were going to maybe follow them. Terrible. Terrible. I proceeded to drop off the boys. And then I wanted to see if the tracks were still there, so I did circle back around just to see. But of course, Mother Nature had done its uh, had done its thing and covered up the tracks. And again, just like just because somebody else is an a hole doesn't mean you have to be an a hole. That back. is a great life lesson, Gabe. Thank you very much for that. Because again, at the end of the day, I realize as this is happening that this is my father. This is my dad, like coming back and being like, "You should go follow that car. We should start some bleep." You know. Like, you don't have anyway, to. Anyway, go like, see Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Make you do stupid things. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, did you see Cocaine Bear? I did not. I was not the parent in attendance. There was another parent that was, because um, it's rated R. Yeah, well, yeah, of course film. it is. Like, because it's a bear taking cocaine and killing a bunch of people. <laughs> like, a lot it's... of, from what I hear, the death count is extraordinarily high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I've seen, I've seen the trailer. The bear also extraordinarily shocking. high. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Wait, so what, how many, I'm not a parent, and I guess it's been a while since I've been to a movie that I'm too young to go to, but but one parent can take how many kids that aren't theirs to an R-rated movie? I I don't think that there's a limit. The limit does not exist. So if one parent wanted to have a 
20 kids go to see Cocaine Bear, it would just take the one parent being like, yeah, they're all with me. I think it depends on the theater, right? I think some theaters have probably stricter rules when it comes to the R-rated movies and how many. But I think that there are places where you could be like, yeah, that looks like an adult sitting four rows over there. I'm with them. (laughs) You know, and they'd be like, cool, enjoy the movie. Anyway, Cocaine Bear, hell of a weekend, hell of a weekend for Cocaine Bear. Well, I was, I mean, I kind of want to see Cocaine Bear. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to spend the 20 bucks it's going to cost to see it in the movie theater. I don't think, like, at this point, the movie theater experience has to have, like, really good, like, special effects surround sound that you can only appreciate still on a giant screen. Cocaine Bear seems like one I should be able to enjoy from my own couch on the television. What is the home. audience for Cocaine Bear? Is it all just a bunch of 14 and 15 year old boys, high school boys? No, I think just boys in general. I mean, again, I just, 37 years old, said, hey, head in the air, I want to see this movie. <laughs> what is it about, though? Like, what is it about the concept, though, that appeals to the male persuasion? I, I gotta be honest, it's a bear on drugs. Yeah. That's, that's not the lie. <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple to me. Again, it's named Cocaine Bear, Jen. Like, who doesn't want to see a bear on you, cocaine? You say cocaine, any animal, I want to see it. Well, I'll tell you, the... Uh, cocaine, cocaine grasshopper? Hell yeah. yeah. That grasshopper is just going all over the place. Cocaine skunk? Ooh. Oh, that's dangerous. Re- that yeah, may re- be more dangerous abandoned? than the... Yeah, it may be more dangerous than the bear. More dangerous than Jen after <laughs> driving boys home on cocaine bear, <laughs> from cocaine bear. Uh, the cocaine bear is having a better weekend than dogs in Florida. Did you see this story, Gabe, about the dogs in Florida? What is Florida doing? Florida punishing dogs? Apparently. Dogs don't deserve this. Explain what this one's about. So I saw a story that said that Florida is trying to pass a law where dogs can't hang their heads out the window of cars anymore. What are they going to do? Give the dog a ticket? Well, they're going to give the owner a ticket is what they're going to do. Come on. Have you ever seen a dog happier other than, you know, with a stick in its mouth? Okay, because that's like the happy image of a dog, a stick in its mouth. And who isn't happy with a stick in their mouth, by the way? But have you ever seen a happier image than a dog hanging its head out of a car window? No. I mean, it could be a day like today in Milwaukee where it is pouring rain, 6 a.m., dark outside. That dog will still have its head hanging out the window, tongue flapping in the air, spitting saliva for miles and miles and not have a care in the world. That's what, feels, that, that's what freedom feels like to a dog. And Florida's trying to take this away. I'm, I, I can't believe that so this I, is... Like, I mean, who wants to make dogs less happy? Florida. When, which, again, like if you had to guess which state wanted to make dogs less happy, clearly Florida would be your guess because Florida's the answer for everything when you start talking about obscure crap that yeah, happens. Insanity, right? Insane yes. person stuff. Like there are entire segments like Florida man. Like why? Yeah, why? Was there a reason given why they wanted to do this? Where like dogs, like... Somehow being a threat. Like, this has been happening as long as as there have been cars and dogs. As long as a dog has been inside of a car, this has been happening. So, what, the Model T came out 120 years ago, something like that? Yeah. You got Lassie hanging out on Lassie had a car, but if she did, guess what? She'd been sitting in the passenger seat, tongue out the window, enjoying the hell out of life. So, what, suddenly, for the first time in 120 years, dogs having their head out the window is an issue? I just don't. So, one of the other things they did do, and I will say this. So, this is one of those instances where I am pro one element of the potential law, proposed law, and anti another element of the potential law. So, one of the things is no dogs riding on laps. 
the driver cannot have a dog on their lap. And I will say, if I'm out and about, and again, you guys know I am the epitome of a safe driver, but if I am out and about (laughs) and see someone with a dog on their lap, I can't help but think that they are somewhat distracted. Like, what's more distracting? The old text messages, which we have had campaign after campaign after campaign to have people stop texting while driving or having a living, breathing creature Sitting on your nether parts. I mean, it's the text messaging, but, you know, I digress. I mean, there's, I understand your points, but, you know, also, can if you please stop tweeting and driving has one for the love of God? Step, right? Isn't that dog potentially squishing some stuff? Well, yeah, but. Well, again, that always seems to be one of the most debilitating things. Again, maybe y'all are just being dramatic, but it always seems like that's pretty bad. No, sometimes you got to be tough and, you know, that's. Get stepped on, you still got to drive. I'm telling you, a text message has never smooshed my bits. So, <sighs> 17, 18, 19, 20. Like, you figure out how many uh, ceiling tiles are in that office yet, Ashy? The limit does not exist. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah so it's Florida still text doing, messaging. Florida still doing worse. some weird stuff. Text messaging is probably worse than having a dog on your lap, but it's still not safe. It's still not good. And I know what's not good, you know, when it comes to driving. Again, this is more, when you teach Chase to drive, this is more of a do as I say, not as I do type situation. Well, what I appreciate is that I've always been an offensive driver, not a defensive driver. So everybody else has to play defense to me. <laughs> and look, it doesn't always work out. I've lost some games, lost some cars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're an efficient offense, though. <laughs> in, in the sense of good offense, it's middle to, it's like Packers. It's not great. What were the Just Packers? James Middle Harden chucking up three 16, after three. 17, what were the Packers uh, they, this past they were, year? Uh, 17th in yeah, both. Below average. 17th in both offense and defense. Yeah. Well, at least they're consistent, I suppose. We're going to have to put a happy spin on stuff. Gabe, I was wondering as we were walking into the studio this morning, what is the definition of news? Like when you hear the word news, mm-hmm. it has the word new in it. Sure. Not trying to like lead you to the answer, but it does feel like the word news in and of itself is supposed to be new information yeah new adjacent newish yeah newish do we have any newish information on the quarterback of the green bay packers not really ah! not, not really like i mean some stuff that's kind of new adjacent you know there's some fun stuff from nathaniel hackett over the weekend that was a great article if you don't have the athletic i would highly recommend reading that um just based on the relationship and everything that went on in denver and because hackett was there Aaron Rodgers caught some strays. Rodgers caught some strays in this piece. Like You open it up, you're not expecting to go, oh, here's Aaron Rodgers' name in this piece. That's a very good point, because as I was reading through the Athletic article, and it's talking about all of the reasons that things went wrong with the Denver Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, and Russell Wilson, et cetera, et cetera, own offices and open-door policies and all of this (laughs) stuff, and we'll get into this as the show goes on, there it was, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers, what Nathaniel Hackett experienced, what Nathaniel Hackett knew, and how he used that information and those experiences to set up how he would navigate his first head coaching position in the NFL. And as we all know, that went exceptionally poorly, poorly, (laughs) exceptionally poor. It was bad. Guy was out of a job in the middle of the season. Now he has landed on his feet and people wonder if that is going to lead to Aaron Rodgers reconnecting with him, those two joining forces yet again. But we're going to get to a quote from Nathaniel Hackett in that article. And you tell me if it sounds like he wants to work with Aaron Rodgers again. That's next on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. 
You are listening to Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. But remember he said uh, his birthday? Yeah. Maybe we get a little freaky. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, and, everyone, and everyone's like, oh, look at our horny little boy. We're so excited. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Like, everybody's so supportive of Giannis, they just kind of look past it. On 94.5 ESPN. Single recognized measure, the Broncos season was a disaster last year. Five and twelve. I was gonna say discontent, but that's not the right word. Um, Just there were not an alignment. There was they were terrible. Disconnect. That's the word I was looking for. Disconnect. They were awful. Russell Wilson stinks. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett not very good as head coach. Fired in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season, but before the season was over. And again, he was supposed to be the wonder wonder kid. He was supposed to be the guy who could go in there and turn things around. He had worked with Aaron Rodgers. And what did you say? Wonder kid. Kind. I know it's kind. I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, somebody's going to jam me. I, thought I could just feel it. Um, so the Athletic put out an article over the weekend. I believe it was on Friday. It was after our show was over. And. You know, because we pay attention to the NFL and, of course, the Nathaniel Hackett connection to the Green Bay Packers. It gave it a little scroll through, gave it a little read. Imagine my surprise when I got midway through the story and there is reference to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Now, of course, Nathaniel Hackett had worked in Green Bay, so that wasn't that big of a surprise. But what was said was a surprise. And I'm going to do the thing where we read on the radio, and that's always fun. But I'm going to read this portion on the radio for everybody who didn't get a chance to read the article on Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, and all the things that went wrong in Denver last season. Early in the partnership, multiple Packers players said Lafleur would sometimes present a new concept or a play in an offensive meeting only to have Rodgers shoot it down. As the season went on, that dynamic flipped. Rodgers produced at a high level under Lafleur and developed a close bond with Hackett. But one coach in Denver said those turbulent early days in Green Bay may have influenced Hackett's approach with Wilson. I don't want to do that again, Hackett said, according to the coach. I want this transition to be as easy and fluid and quick as possible. Gabe, when you heard that, or you read that, rather, your reaction to the dynamic in Green Bay and the way that Rodgers and LaFleur got along, didn't get along, were trying to work together, but initially maybe weren't at an optimal level, affected Nathaniel Hackett's experience in Denver. I I just... I think that was, cl- I mean, and obviously he would agree now, but it's clearly the wrong approach. Like, you have to have some of that turbulence, I think, in order for that new relationship to work. Very rarely do I think when you have a new, like, there's got to be a feeling out period. There has to be a, okay, this is the new person in charge. I've been here for a while. Then you kind of feel each other out. Like, there's there's going to be some awkwardness. That's why a lot of coaches who take over a position like, We've seen Matt LaFleur do with the Green Bay Packers for LaFleur to have the success, the 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4 in the first three years. The reason why it was so surprising, it's never happened before. Because again, there's a feeling out process. It's kind of what we saw this year in Jacksonville. Like the Jaguars got off to a not a great start. They weren't very good at the beginning of the season because you had a new coach and Doug Peterson trying to get his quarterback up to speed. And eventually they got on the same page and you saw what they did even winning a playoff game late in the year. That's typically what you see. So to me, Hackett was trying to jump over that and just decided to give Russell Wilson whatever he wanted in 
an effort to avoid any sort of the conflict that he saw between Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. So this to me screams uh, a little bleep measuring contest. Not a little bleep. Don't <laughs> That was an unfortunate pairing of words, if I'm being honest. This to me I mean, sounds like If you a... have a little Richard, <laughs> you're not winning the contest. Bleep measuring contest. Why, when Matt LaFleur came in, did Rodgers feel the need, especially after what had happened with Mike McCarthy, especially with the way that things went down with Mike McCarthy, you get a new coach in there. Why do you have to do the bleep measuring contest? Why does it have to be, let's see how smart you are, let's have conflict, let me, you know what I'm saying? Why do I have to have and initiate conflict with the new guy? What is that about? Because again, these are some of the things that when you talk about Aaron going to a new team, is he going to do that with a new head coach? Does that turn people off? Would that make teams? And again, we go back to the Goody thing of whatever comes along with having a great quarterback. It's I know worth it. it's worth it. Sound like the class that's now like just parroting <laughs> the quote back to the teacher in social studies class. But I digress. Why are if why do you have to do that? Is that just because that's who Aaron Rodgers is? He has to, like, make sure you're up to snuff before he's going to acquiesce and let you run the team? Well, and, and have that trust. Yeah, I think he's got to know if he can trust you or not. So he's going to, no, we don't want to do that. I think that, yeah, Rodgers is that guy that wants to test the new head coach or the new guy that's going to be in there. And Rodgers has talked about in, in the past about how conflict, you know, you can grow from that conflict. And that's how it, apparently this worked for the Green Bay Packers. They had some of that you know, butting of heads early, and then they were able to come together. Who knows if that butting of heads is still happening? But yeah, is, is it shocking to you that Aaron Rodgers is that guy that, that wanted to see what he could get away with, with the new guy as he comes in? That's not shocking to me. So again, this goes back to, we're saying that Nathaniel Hackett gets fired in part, well, first of all, because the team stunk, right? But why did they stink? Well, it seemed like there was a challenge as far as the hierarchy goes. It seems like Hackett wasn't able to set ground rules. It seems like Hackett went too far in letting Russell Wilson do whatever he wanted to do, having his own office, where he, again, one of the more chuckle-inducing moments of the article is where Russell Wilson apparently had an open-door policy to his office. Right? Like... And the teammate was like, what do you mean you have an open door policy? You have a locker. Sit at your locker. You want to be open and, and get to know guys and, and be that accessible leader? That's how you do it. You don't scurry up to the second floor and have your own office. It's funny. Chewie's got an open door policy here. Nobody can find him during his, open, you know, his office hours. But from my understanding, he's got an open door policy. So did that surprise you that, that Aaron Rodgers was tied to some of the dysfunction that occurred in Denver? I do, but I don't think it's his fault. And I understand Hackett wanting to have things maybe go smoother, but you can't just go... Like, Rodgers is somebody different, right? Like, you have to understand, as the head coach, especially in today's NFL, you have to coach different players different ways. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. It's not a, you know... I feel like back in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, all you had to do was just yell at everybody, and that was a style of coaching that everybody responded to, and you're able to figure it out. you got to figure out how these guys are going to work best when they're coached, and just acquiescing and doing whatever Russell Wilson wants to do. Like, man, that's just... Just because Aaron Rodgers, you saw some conflict with Aaron Rodgers, but you also got to see the good that came out of that conflict. That's the, the, the shocking thing to me about this article, is that Nathaniel Hackett saw the conflict, but then saw the good that came out of the conflict and the relationships and between... And still chose to do the opposite yeah. in order to not have those results. Correct. But again, this is not a great... This is not a ringing endorsement of a Rodgers relationship, guys. 
And again, I challenge you to go find one. This is not a ringing endorsement. And when we talk about there being an open market for Aaron Rodgers, I feel like these types of things do shrink the options, do shrink the teams that would be interested in doing that. Yeah, let's go out and get him. Yeah, I mean, I think that the 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 list is what the list is in terms of what we've talked about. Like, you know, the Chicago Bears are going to trade the number one overall pick. The Chicago Bears were never going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, even if the Packers would trade him, because the Bears are in a multi-season rebuild. They're not just a quarterback away. Like, the, the, the list is very small because everybody knows this isn't a long-term investment. We just have to get this guy for one year because we think we're just a quarterback away. I guess I'm trying to figure out how Hackett takes that information and then and then um, changes his coaching philosophy or changes his coaching plan when he has a guy like Russell Wilson? Do you think he thought that because Rodgers would shoot down ideas that Matt LaFleur had that the best teams, because the Packers were, were wildly successful mm-hmm. with the exception of their playoff run, playoff runs, um, do you think he thought that that led to the success? That the, the quarterback challenging the coach led to success and therefore he was going to allow Russell Wilson to have this autonomy, to have more power than he probably otherwise would. Well, he obviously didn't think that was the success, right? It was the conflict and everything because he felt that, okay, I want to avoid that and try to get to the success right away. That's what he decided to do when he decided to give Russell Wilson all that power and just, man, you can't do that. You can't do that with egomaniacs. You can't just give them more power and let them do whatever they want. There has to be some sort of limits. But then isn't that the situation that the Packers find themselves in? Isn't that the situation that Goody finds himself in where he is dealing with an egomaniac? Aaron Rodgers, very talented But there one, are limits. Incredibly talented but one. But I think there are limits. And don't you think Goody's trying to set that boundary? Yeah, I think that, I mean, we, we talked about um, with Jason about how very shortly after the regular season ended and Rodgers was on McAfee talking about his five guys and all these different things and how he sounds like somebody who didn't necessarily hear what he wanted to in the end-of-season meetings that he had with Lafleur and or Gutekunst. So I think that the Packers clearly have some limits on Rodgers. It's not like Rodgers has an office right next to Matt Lafleur and, and Adam Stenovich. You know, in in 1265. Okay, well, let me just ask you this, though, because, again, I understand what you're saying, that there's no office. But I would argue that the office would actually be better than if you have an office and you fall in line, I'll give you the office. Okay, no, I don't think you can do that. But but here's the thing. His thing was in meetings, Lafleur would introduce new offensive ideas Mm -hmm. and Rodgers would shoot them down. That, to me, is undermining authority. That, to me, is worse than having an office. If you have an office, but you fall in line and you let the head coach lead, I feel like that's a better option than not having an office. And if you're in an offensive meeting with other players, you're a new head coach. You're trying to establish your authority. You're trying to get guys to buy in. And you've got the quarterback being like, nah, nope, actually not going to do that either. However, That's but if more you have, dangerous than having an office no, on the second floor, guys. I, I have no idea how Rodgers went about it. You know, again, it's just Rodgers would shoot it down. Right. To me, because I have the same feeling as Gabe, whenever I hear shoot it down, to me, I'm with you, Jen. I feel like you're shooting it down. That means no, right from the start, I'm not listening. What we don't know, which is this is the tough part around all the talk about this, is we don't know if him being like shooting it down is, I don't know, I don't really like that, Matt. Here's why. And maybe there that's we just don't know that part of it. That maybe that's giving him too much benefit of the doubt. Sure. Because again, but we don't know. The next sentence is as the season went on, that dynamic flipped. So something good came out of that initial. That's conflict. what I was saying though about the Nathaniel Hackett thing. Like, is there a part of him that thought 
Well, they were wildly successful. We were wildly successful, the Green Bay Packers. So maybe there was something to the quarterback having that autonomy that led to their success. And I'm going to adopt that, the quarterback having that autonomy in my space, Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson, because that will, quote unquote, hopefully lead to success. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think you just misread the situation because I think that that conflict led to a place where Rodgers and LaFleur could find a way to work with one another and have that mix of what LaFleur wanted to do and what Rodgers Rogers wanted to do in those first three seasons. Obviously, I think it was a little different this past year, but for those first three seasons, it obviously worked. Rodgers wins back-to-back MVPs in 20 and 21, and they found that middle ground. And I think that conflict may have been a good base to kind of start building off of, whereas you just give the autonomy to Russell Wilson right away, and it just, I mean, you, you got, again, you read this article, and it's just his his personal coach who's not a part of the Broncos staff, is handing out scouting reports. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, this isn't the guy who works for the team, who then just got way too interwoven into everything that was going on. 800-990-3776. That's our ESPN Wisconsin talk and text line. I guess the question that comes off of this, after reading the athletic article and seeing the way that the Green Bay Packers dynamic affected Nathaniel Hackett in um, Denver, does Nathaniel Hackett want to work with Rodgers again? Does Nathaniel Hackett, because again, the Jets have been one of the forerunners, one of the top teams as far as they would go out and get, and again, Woody Johnson is leading that charge, would go out and get Rodgers, bring him in, he would be the quarterback of their squad. Does Nathaniel Hackett want to work with Rodgers again? 800-990-3776. We'll continue this conversation right after this. You guys know that the people at Great Midwest Bank are passionate about exploring every single option for you, the customer. And why wouldn't you be? Because the customer in this situation is the one who knows what they want to do and how they want to do it. And the folks over at Great Midwest Bank, well, they just want to guide you through that process, especially during tough economic times where you might not exactly know what you are getting yourself into. If you're looking for a refreshing take on banking, go over and visit my friends over at Great Midwest Bank because they want you to achieve a state of banquility. It's a fun word. I love a good pun. Banquility is just that. It's tranquility. It's calmness during the banking experience. And if you're looking for that because you're not really sure what you're going to get into with some of these other banks, let Great Midwest Bank, take the lead. Visit greatmidwestbank.com to get started on your home loan. Great Midwest Bank, they're your and my simply local equal housing lender. It's Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Is the electric chair still a thing? Okay, they let me still read this tweet. Electric- I, I, thought, I figured everything was lethal know. injection at this point. Is this seriously what happens when I answer a phone call or can't read a tweet? You guys just talk about... Yes. The okay. death penalty, yes. It's his fault. Who's he did it. Doing this show is a death penalty. <laughs> on 94.5 ESPN. Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, there is breaking news about your Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee we Bucks. Have breaking news. There it is. Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary has reached an agreement to sell his portion of the Bucks to Cleveland Browns owners Jimmy and D. Haslam for $3.5 billion valuation. As Gabe was saying during the break, that's not that he sold it for $3.5 billion. It's that the Bucks are worth $3.5 billion. Yeah. And his percent, I think he was a 25% owner at one point. But there may be some machinations no, behind so the I, scenes. No, so I believe Lazary was more than a 25% owner. 
He's only selling 25% of that stake to the Haslam. At least this was the way it was reported prior to this, that he was in discussions about t- selling 25% to him. And I believe some of that other um, ownership stake would then be bought out by uh, Wes Edens, and Edens would remain the governor and still be the guy who's running everything, the principal owner. Think Mark Antanasio. Mark Antanasio is not the sole owner of the Brewers, but he's the chairman. He's the one who put the most money in, and he's the one who makes all the decisions. I believe that would be the same for the Bucks. But again, more details, I'm sure, will emerge on this as the days progress. Now, this news broke within the last 15 minutes or so on social media. So the Bucks uh, co-owner, Mark Lazary, has reached an agreement to sell his portion of the Bucks to Cleveland Browns owners, Jimmy and D. Haslam. I believe that they are also the Flying J. Is that right? The Flying J folks? That's how they made a lot of their fortune owning the flying j truck stops which are all over the place if you ever oh i had no idea what you were talking about oh yeah that's their that's their money that's their pilot flying j you never heard of that game? Oh, the pilot! I've heard of pilot. pilot I haven't heard of flying, flying jet. It's, it's, it's all. It's the full thing. is pilot flying jet. The gas stations. They're yeah. like the yeah. quick trip of. That's the of well, yeah. Again, I've, the I've seen pilot, but I don't think I've ever seen the flying J portion. I wonder if our buddy Chewy, who is making a little bit of a road trip himself today, has passed a few flying J's on his way. I will tell you that. Tell you this, guys. More ways than one. <laughs> um, the reaction, fast and furious, on social media is not good. The reaction is, and again, it's probably too early to make a judgment call on this sale. But, you know, Jimmy Haslam has, has been the owner of the Browns for all these years. And the Browns have been a laughingstock, the laughingstock of the NFL and, until recently. And then even then recently, there have been obviously things that the Browns have had to deal with, uh, public relations and whatnot. Um, so that, I think, is is propelling a lot of the negativity that you are seeing on social media this morning. Do you think that's fair, Gabe? If he ends up having to make decisions, yes. But if he ends up being just, again, the way I'm looking at this, and I could be wrong, but from my understanding of based on previous reporting, it seems as if Edens is going to be the guy now going forward. He won't have to share the governorship with anybody else. You know, the Bucks, when the Bucks were initially purchased, Wes Edens took the first five years as making all the decisions as the owner. Lazary is now in his five years of making all those decisions, and then they were they had agreed to kind of rotate back and forth. But if Edens is just the guy going forward, Haslam buying in is no different than Craig being an owner, than Aaron Rodgers being an owner, David Gruber being a, a minority owner. Like he's just a minority owner. Yes, he has more of a stake than Craig or Rodgers or Grubes does, but. If he's not making any decisions, he's just a minority owner who's throwing his money in, and the dude's got a bunch of money. So, yes, I will take your money. I just don't necessarily trust him in his decision-making process. Dude just wants to be part of winner. Who can blame him wanting to be part of the Milwaukee Bucks? Okay, sure. Now, they have their hands in a lot of things, from what I've been able to read recently. The Haslam's owning a lot of different sports they franchises. Also, they own uh, the Columbus Crew, the MLS, which they went through. This is another thing. is If you know the inner workings of how the MLS does, and nobody would, and probably people are stopping listening. However, <laughs> if you're still listening for the next five seconds, the crew, the Columbus Crew, were basically kicked out of Columbus, and then they were rescued because fans basically had a petition that said, we want you to stay. And then they had a new stadium bill. Like, that's because the Haslam's like, we're, we don't need this anymore. And they big, kept him. Big weekend for the team on the court, though, guys. Got a couple of big victories the Bucks did, and they extend their winning streak to 14. Jay Crowder finally gets to take the court. It was nice to see him out there. And you could just see that the fans at the at, at Pfizer Forum embraced him, were excited about him. One of the loudest pops on Saturday night at the Marquette game. And again, this was a game in which Marquette ended up clinching a share of the Big East Conference title was for Jay Crowder because Jay was at the game. 
As was uh, Pat Connaughton. I didn't realize that Pat Connaughton loved Tyler Kolick. I love that he was wearing his jersey. Apparently, they're apparently they're boys. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes me so happy because two of my favorite guys in Milwaukee <laughs> in basketball right now would be Tyler Kolick and Pat Connaughton. If there's something somebody that Tyler can learn from, it certainly would be. You, you could do a lot worse than Pat Connaughton. Is my point. So 14 straight wins for the Milwaukee Bucks, which I believe is just incredible. Which I believe is just something that people should be paying attention to now, especially since football is over. And it got me to thinking, is there anything that you can do 14 times in a row? 14 times back to back to back successfully. Okay. Like successfully. And I got to thinking about this because last night my 14 year old said, I can throw these grapes in my mouth and I can throw three grapes in a row in my mouth. And of course I did what any responsible parent and supportive parent would do. And I heckled him on the third try so that he didn't make it. You did the right thing. uh, Based on the weekend you had, that was the best parenting you had all weekend. (laughs) You don't know any of the other things I did this weekend as a parent. I stand by that, You almost followed somebody home to honk at their house. Right, but I did not do that. You thought about it twice, though. But that was a good decision on my part, right, I stand by my statement. No, you you ultimately did the right thing. You ultimately did yeah, the right Yeah, just thing. like Aaron Rodgers ultimately started to get along with Matt LaFleur, but at the beginning, he didn't He's really want to. He didn't want He's to do that. a little rocky. What could you do? So he missed on the third try is my point. I told him I would pull his pants down, and then, and then I said... This is what I, said. I, I rescind my comment. <laughs> so, I rescind my comment. So he's throwing the grapes up in the air. He's throwing the grapes up in the air, and he goes for the third one, and he's acting all like, ha I got this. We bet $10 on it, and I was like, uh, well, you're not going to get it when I pull your, when I depants you, and then he was like, what? And I was like, hey, Layla, you want to see your brother's wiener? And then he missed on the third grape. This is the only way she can win a bet. This is the only way Jen can I actually win a bet. Is that cheating? It's, it's heckling. Not, not cheating. It's heckling. Heckling is allowed I'm sorry, in sports. Are fans Ashton. allowed to go to Jay Crowder and pull his pants down? Like, it this was is a, not the it same. Time out. It was a threat of doing so. I didn't do so. Again, it's like the driving behind the person. I didn't actually follow them home. I was just thinking about following him home. Is there anything you could do fourteen times <laughs> in a row? I'm sure. Like, I, I'm sure there is, but I want to put out something. Like, I don't want to just say that something that's easy to do. You know, I'm trying to think of something like, yeah, like throwing 14 grapes up, like being able to do that successfully, like that would be impressive if Chase would have been able to do that had you not threatened to depance him. Um, I've got a lot of follow-up questions I'm going to skip over over what happened in the Melendez household last night. Um, So I'm trying to think of other things that could be like fun to do that we could actually then maybe pay off on this show. Like actually like, uh, do something. Push-ups, fourteen push-ups. I can do four. Do I can do fourteen push-ups? Ooh, okay, you're a strong guy. Um, do it right now. No, I mean it's. All right, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna back down easily. That's fine. That's just, you don't want to. That's fine. I, mean, I, I, I can, oh, but Matt it's LaFleur like over there. Relax. <laughs> no, we're not running that play, Ashton. Okay. I'm trying to think of some. What's something fun we could do that we think we could do 14 times in a row? I mean, I can tell you what I can do, and what I pretty much have done is I can wear 14 different hands. I could. I can wear. I'd have to count a lot of different hats in a row for different days. But that's not an accomplishment. Putting a know. hat on your head is not an accomplishment. But with different ones? For not, some people, it is, yeah, Jen. It, I have 14 hard. hats, and I'm not even a hat like connoisseur. I have like 200. A so. hat collector. I don't think putting a hat on counts as something you could do. Yes, you can do it 14 times in a row. Is it impressive? Not even a little bit. I mean, not to you. Gabe, would you be impressed? <laughs> yeah. Stop it right now. You, you stop it right now. <laughs> Just trying to inflate his ego, build up his self-confidence. <laughs> if that's what inflates my ego, we got a really low bar, guys. His confidence is at the ground. Yeah, building it hey. up so it's two inches off the ground isn't hey. a bad thing. Hey, that's mean. I'm trying to help you, pal. You're making it worse. <laughs>
14 times. That's something you could do 14 <sighs> times in a row. Do you think you could drive the speed limit 14 days in a row? Oh, the whole day? Yeah, 14 <clears throat> days in a row. I'm going to let Ashton's sound effect answer that question for me. <laughs> Hell no, I got a lot of errands to run, Gabe. Uh, 14 times in a row. 14, I mean, like, so like burpees or jumping jacks, that's not that impressive, right? Like 14 no. burpees, 14 jumping jacks, 14 cartwheels in a row? I don't even think I could do we, that. To I was about to say, like, I think we've got enough runway I mean, in the market hall. We could go out there and see if you could do 14, 14 cartwheels, cartwheels in, in a row. row. I mean, maybe we could try that after the show. We, maybe. We, if you Are you up for trying that? I know I can't. Yeah, I don't I'm, think I can I'm do not, one oh, in a row. No, this could is you a, do this 14 is a, this is somersaults in a row? <laughs> forward roll, forward, <laughs> forward roll, roll, forward roll. We, we forward do have a question on Twitter. Do we have I don't want to do it on the concrete. Go in the grass area, you wimp. The grass area? What that grass is a area? direct retaliation for what you said before. That's what's happening I right was, now. I was building him up. Well, Gabe, here's another one that Crossfire. comes at you from uh, from our teammate Ty, who's tweeting into the Twitter account at Jen Gabe Chewy. If you want your suggestions for things that maybe we can do 14 times in a row, he says, "Can Gabe make 14 four foot putts in a row?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, that's something we could definitely do. Yeah, I can do that. I'll do that when I get home. I'll videotape it. I've got a little putting mat at home. I can bury 14 in a row, no problem. 14 putts. Yeah. Hmm. Like, 14 free throws would be tougher. Like, being able to hit 14 free throws in a row. Yeah, because, well, again, once you start getting close to yeah. the mark, then I think you get in your head a little bit and you mm-hmm. start to, your mechanics change a little bit. I don't know what I could do 14 times in a row. Successfully. Again, the point yeah. is successfully. You have to do it well. What are we missing here? I could, I can tie my shoes 14 times in a row, but, again, okay. I'm 42 years if, old. So. <laughs> I was about to say, if you were one of your younger children, Impressive. Very yes. impressive. Tip of the cap to you. But yeah, at 42, less impressive. Especially since you wear Velcro 14, shoes to work. Wow. That, no, I don't, I don't untie my shoes. That's <laughs> I just slide my feet right into them. The Bucks have won 14 games in a row. The breaking news this morning is that the ownership has changed. And we had heard that that was possible and that was likely. But the Bucks co-owner, Mark Lazary, has reached an agreement to sell his portion of the Bucks to the Cleveland Browns owners, Jimmy and D. Haslam, for a $3.5 billion valuation. $3.5 $3.5 billion valuation. That's always tricky because the dollar sign is in front of the number. Yep. And then when you speak it out loud, you have to put the dollar in between after the billion part of it. Um, and as we were talking about, that is not say that $3.5 billion is exchanging hands. It is a portion of that. The team is currently valued, which by the way, are we making enough of a big deal of the bucks being valued at $3.5 billion? There's zero chance. It was even close to that when the Lazarus and the Edens bought the bucks. They bought them for $500 million, $500 million. They bought this team for that's insane. And they probably got a, like the bucks I feel could have been sold a little bit more, like the value may have been a little bit higher, but Herb Cole decided to sell for a little bit less in order to get that guarantee that they would remain in Milwaukee and then be able to give $100 million of that back to help buy, build Pfizer for them. So maybe they were a little bit more, but still, we're talking like six, seven times of what they what they should have been valued at when they were sold a decade ago. And maybe that should be the thing, as that number does come out, maybe that should be the thing that we are celebrating this morning, as opposed to the panic and the disappointment that I am seeing reverberating through social media this morning with the announcement that the Haslams are now part owners of the Milwaukee Bucks. Have you guys been to St. Kate the Arts Hotel yet? 
I went to St. Kate the Arts Hotel this past week and had a lovely time with one of my girlfriends from ESPN who happened to be staying at St. Kate the Arts Hotel. That's how highly other people think of St. Kate the Arts Hotel. When they come into Milwaukee, that's where they're staying to cover Bucks games, to cover some of the athletic events here in town. They love St. Kate the Arts Hotel, and you will too. Because if you're looking for the perfect place to host a private party, to celebrate a birthday or maybe that big promotion, it should be done in the secret dining area inside St. Kate called the Dark Room. That's right. I showed my girlfriend when we were there having dinner. I was like, come over here. This is this cool little secret swanky area where you can have private parties. They've got all these booths. They've got all these curtains. It's very luxe. It's very cool. And if you are having a party in the dark room, you get the chance to work directly with the St. Kate dining team to create a custom menu for your celebration. What's better than a custom menu? Learn more about hosting your next celebration in the dark room by visiting stkatearts.com. Stkatearts.com. I will literally see you there. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Hey, everyone who I let try borscht likes it. They don't love it. But it, it's, not a, it's a liver. What, a, what an endorsement. Your, this is your but, 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 Hold on. Hey, Jan, like, guys, good luck. I don't even have to talk anymore. On 94.5 ESPN. I'm just a stranger with a twisted smile. Breaking news this morning surrounding the Milwaukee Bucks is that, well, it seems as though there has been a change, at least in part, in the ownership. And we knew that this was a possibility. They had talked about this. There had been rumors about this potentially happening. Conversations had been going on. But the report is out there this morning that Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary has reached an agreement to sell his portion of the Bucks to Cleveland Browns owners Jimmy and D. Haslam for a $3.5 billion valuation. Sources telling everyone it's... <laughs> Everyone, (laughs) all of the people, all of the people are aware of this. And as I said earlier in the show, really negative reaction to it right now, Gabe. And again, there's a lot of information that could come out, but I think it's because of the reputation that the Browns have. Sure. I think it's the, you know, and there are, again, there are people out there on Twitter who are talking as though they are aware of what the Browns ownership has meant to the success or lack thereof for that team. I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like owners shouldn't have any influence in the success of a team in football. In football. I I think it starts from the top down, to be honest. If you don't have good owners... But there's a salary cap. It's not as though you can spend willy-nilly in football like you do in baseball and go out and just, you know... Heaps and heaps of, of you guys are smirking at me because there was some big news on the baseball front this weekend. People <laughs> spending heaps and heaps and heaps of money. Sure, but you it, it's a cultural thing. It starts from the top down. And if you don't, and I think we've experienced that here in Wisconsin, outside of football, of course. But Herb Cole was not a good owner. Just wasn't. And, and tip of the cap to Herb. Well, he kept the team in Milwaukee. He kept I'm the never team because there, he, right? yes, because he kept the team in Milwaukee. But he also made bad decisions like, hey, let's trade for J.J. Redick and sacrifice some of our future in order to be the seventh or eighth seed in the See, Eastern Conference. See, that to me goes back to how, uh, how much daily input you're having or weekly input, monthly input. Like, mm-hmm. you should be the money. And that should be the extent of it. I don't think you should be building rosters. I don't think you should be hiring coaches. I don't think you should be doing any of those things because it exceeds. It's like I'm. I'm sorry. I'm burping up my apple right there. That's what that was. I, was, I wasn't pausing for effect. I literally was burping. All right, my can apple. we 
just go to break. No, 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 no. We're no, at we the are. top of the hour here. I want to make this point. If Jen's going to throw up, I don't want it to happen on the air. Not going to vomit, promise. Because if she vomits, then I'm going to vomit. And somebody's going to have to clean this up. Who wants chowder? We can get into this in the second hour of the show. But to me, it is, again, ownership overstepping its boundaries by then dictating roster, dictating but is it, and cer- those It's their things. money. It's not overstepping boundaries. If that's the way they decide to run the team, I'm with you. That's the bad way to run the team, but it's their money. If that's what they want to do, that is, you know, but again, like sometimes it does work out. Like the Cowboys in the 90s, Jerry Jones worked out. It was great for them. Hasn't worked out great since then. Because he involves himself and makes himself the general manager, but it's his money. It's it, it's a delicate balance. It's your dog. <laughs> well, I'll talk about peanut butter right <laughs> No, but the dog hanging out the window. <laughs> I mean, come on. Are we really going to take that away from dogs? Florida really, wants to. Really, Florida? What are we doing? More Jen Gibichui right after this.